Lamentations 3, verses 19 to 33. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. And our next reading this morning is from Romans 8, verses 18 to 39. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns no one Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, morning again, everybody, and um, very special welcome if you're new or you're visiting us this morning. So good to have you here. And um, everyone's been sharing the things that they've been thankful to God for. I'm um, just reflecting on that. I think over this last year, um, I'm most thankful, well, thankful to God for many, many things. But um, we've had a few moves and um, God's provided for us all the way along um, and, uh, and willing hands as well to help us as we've had to up and move a few times and so I'm very thankful to God for that over this last sort of 18 months or so. Why don't we pray as um, we get started in this passage. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this new morning, for gathering us here to um, hear your word and we do ask this morning you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see your truth and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well this, um, keep my arms out here. Um, <laughs> This, uh, this second half of, um, of chapter 8, this is a wonderful passage, isn't it? There's this real powerful, this strong message of hope that comes through in this second half of uh, what Paul writes here in chapter 8. He's writing about a very particular type of hope that Christians have. It's a very particular type of hope because it's a sure hope. It's this certain hope that he's writing about and it's, it's a sure hope because it's grounded in in historical event, the crucifixion and the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus, that ultimate act of love on the cross. Uh, Our hope is grounded in that. This hope in the forgiveness and life that faith in Jesus brings um, is a sure hope and we can rely on it because what makes that hope real is that it's already done. And that's different, actually. I mean, I was thinking through this different than any other kind of hope that I can think of anyway. Um, I can have a hope in something and I can be sort of reasonably confident in it, but I couldn't put my uh, hand on my heart and say, you know, this is dead set certain. You know, anything that comes from my own abilities, if I hope in that, I can't be completely sure about it. I mean, let's say that I was a genius and I'm clearly not, but let's say I was and I thought, well, I want to rise to the top of my field in in academia, whatever that is, I can't be guaranteed that I'm going to make it, can I? Or let's say, um, you know, I have some sort of athletic gift. And for those of you that um, know me well, uh, seven not out, I think it's my highest cricket score. So clearly I, I don't have that. But let's say I had some athletic gifts and I thought maybe, you know, I'm hoping to make the national team. I can't be certain of that, even if I'm just sort of moderately good and thought well, maybe I'll play A grade cricket. You know, illness or injury can strike me at any point. I can't be certain that, um, that I will realise that hope. I can't be absolutely sure. And so any hope really that we place on anything that's human, including human relationships, they can't be certain hopes, can they? It can be, a, you know, I'm a fairly sure kind of hope. It can be that, but not certain. But this hope that we've just heard in chapter 8, this hope for a future in Jesus, that, that is something unique. That is, something, that is a hope in something that is wonderful. And it is guaranteed. And it's because it's that type of hope that it gives perseverance when we face difficulty or, or troubles in life. 
And that's the first point that I'd like us to look at this morning. Perseverance found in hope. That's our first point. Perseverance found in hope. Now, if you cast your minds back uh, to last week, uh, we were in the first half of chapter 8. And the final verses said this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we're God's children. See, through Jesus, we're part of God's own household and we're his family. And if we're his family, then it means we're heirs. And an heir has an inheritance. That's what an heir has. They inherit something. And you can't take an inheritance away from somebody. It's theirs. It's guaranteed. And the inheritance that God's family has is life forever. So I want you to imagine for a moment with me the day that we come face to face with God. Because we will. There will be a day when we come face to face with God. And through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, we know that when we stand there on that day, we know we're his family. Can you imagine gazing at God and thinking we're family? And we will always be family. I will be with you always. And on that day, I'll be perfected and I will be free from corruption. Can you imagine what that would be like? What that will be like on that day? That's the freedom and the glory of the children of God that verse 21 here is talking about. And it will be glorious. But until that day, while we wait, creation itself is groaning from the distortion and the corruption. All of that, that turning away from God's cause, that sin's caused. And so we groan as well if you see there in verses 22 to 23 where it says we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies So if you're here this morning and you trust Jesus, then you have the first fruits of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that shows us the truth of Jesus. That's the first fruits or the deposit of our inheritance that God's given us. And the redemption of our bodies, our physical resurrection, well, that's the rest of the inheritance. That's what we get on the last day. And we do groan as we wait for it. We groan because this deposit that we've been given, it means we can see the reality of things. We have some grasp of the mess that sin's caused. So we do groan inwardly while we wait for that completion. When we wait for that day when we won't, it won't be possible to sin anymore. And so if Jesus is your Lord, do you long for that day? Do you long for it? I do. The struggle to deal with sin and behavior that doesn't honor Jesus. That's just so hard to put to an end. You know, the frustration of whatever it is that you struggle to beat, but you try and you try again. See, all that, that'll be dealt with on that day. And it'll be glorious. 
And because we feel the struggle, we know that we've been given a deposit of the Spirit. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't feel the struggle with sin at all. And so we know that we also have this hope, this hope of a resurrected life with God, and it's true. And that's why verse 24 there is in the past tense, if you see that. We were saved, it says. We were saved. Jesus has done it. That's already happened. But there's a future tense too, isn't there, in verse 25? We also hope for what we do not yet have. See, it paints this picture. We're saved, but it's not finished yet. We're saved, but it's on the last day when our bodies are redeemed. That's when it'll be completed. And so even though we've got this deposit, we're still hoping for something that we don't yet have. And that's a really important thing because you don't hope for something that you've already got, do you? You don't hope for that. It's like, um, you know, imagine, uh, for example, I hoped that one day my wife Bronwyn would buy me a HSV V8 Holden Commodore. Now, you may laugh, but that would be great. I would love that. And for those of you that share that passion, Bathurst is on uh, next Sunday. I could hope for a car like that, couldn't I? And it's unlikely Bron's going to flash the credit card and buy one. But I might hope for it. If I went home this afternoon and there was one sitting in the driveway, I wouldn't hope for it anymore. Because I would have, it would be there. It's because we hope for what we don't have. That's what verse 25 is talking about here. What we don't have. The redemption of our bodies, which is still to come. And so we hope for it. And the hope of that glory is so much greater than the hope of a HSV or anything material, actually. And the hope in the relationship that we'll have with God himself so much greater than any hope in any human relationship. And it is a certain one. So that, that mean, what that means is that we can wait for it patiently. We can endure we can wait with endurance. We can persevere through trials and difficulty and hardship, all caused by the corruption of sin. We can persevere through all of those things because of the hope of what's to come. That's perseverance from Christian hope. Well, that's our first point, perseverance found in hope. And persevering in faith through all of the struggles and the, the challenges that we run into in life, that is so important, isn't it? And so if hope is the ground of that, if that's what lends itself to perseverance, that hope better be pretty solid, right? So what is the basis of that hope? Why can we be so certain about it? Well, that's the subject of the rest of this talk this morning, and we're going to cover that in two points. So the second point looking at that is hope found in the goodness of God. Hope found in the goodness of God. Because we hope in something that's unseen, don't we? And we're not perfect. So it's hard to know what is it that we really need. So how do we know exactly what it is that we should pray to God for? But God is good. And he helps us even with that. Verses 26 and 27. And it's already been mentioned um, from up the front here uh, previously. 
verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, I was speaking with someone not that long ago now, and they had been through some really awful struggles in their life. They couldn't look forward to a long life from the point at which they were. They had these just truly awful life circumstances that had been thrown at them. And we were talking, and this person said, I don't even know what to pray for anymore. So you see here in this passage, the goodness of God, he helps us even when we don't know. And his spirit joins with us to bear our burdens. And while we might not know specifically what God's will is, and we can't ask specifically for what's best for us, we don't need to be worried about that because this powerful and effective prayer, speaking to God about what we specifically need, that will happen through the spirit. And so God will hear our needs even if we don't understand exactly what they are. Now, there's a reason to persevere through hard times, isn't there, in hope? And a motivation to keep praying, to keep praying even when we don't know what to pray for, which is exactly what that person and I did, knowing that the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. And it goes on this passage because that is even more powerful because God's will is that all things work for the good of those who love him. That's what verse 28 says here. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, those who love God, those who've been called, and next week we'll talk more about uh, called, being called, in the next chapter but for those who love god god works for the good according to his purpose so what's his purpose it's to conform us to become like his son jesus so that he will be the first among many now that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to us they will because we live in a broken world but what we can be absolutely sure about is no matter what happens, God ultimately works for our good. Which is to make us like Jesus and to share in his glory. And we will suffer. And I don't mean to make light of that with this passage. We will suffer in this world. And I know some of you here have suffered and some cases are suffering terribly. And in ways that I've never experienced. And we don't understand why. But the hope that we've been talking about. It's grounded in this knowledge. That God is bringing us to be like Jesus. To be resurrected physically. To be brought to him. In the glory that he already has. And this verse uh, that I've just read out. This is the verse that. Joni Erickson Tata, there's a picture of her up on the screen here. This is the verse that she found so powerful 
when she uh, was wrestling with why she became a quadriplegic. Now, I'm sure many of you know her story. She became a quadriplegic at 17. And if you don't, I really recommend uh, to uh, Google her name and jump onto her website. Her testimony is amazing. Um, So she suffered this horrendous accident and eventually she found comfort and purpose knowing that God works for the good of those who love him. So even this tremendous suffering that she was facing and still faces, she had this hope in the goodness that she sees in God. She came to realize that he works ultimately for her good, to conform her to the image of Jesus. And so she was able to persevere and still does in her circumstances because of that. Well, that's our second point, hope found in the goodness of God. And finally, our third point that I'd like us to look at this morning is hope found in the love of Christ. Hope found in the love of Christ. Now this hope that we've been talking about that lends itself to perseverance, it's grounded in the love of Christ or in Christ's love for us. See, in verse 31 it says here, if God is for us, who can be against us? So if the Creator is for us, we're on a winner, aren't we? And we know He is because He gave His Son for us. The Roman historian Tacitus wrote about that. It's a historical fact. He wrote about it and he wasn't a Christian. See, God, he's already made this greatest of sacrifices and so he won't hold back the things that go along with that. He won't hold back on those, the things needed to save us. And so if that is the case, then who can make a charge against us in verse 33? Who can make a charge against us? In other words, who can accuse us of being guilty? No one. Not even Satan, the great accuser. No one, because God is the one who justifies through faith in Jesus. If he justifies, then nothing can lay that guilt on us ever again. We can't be condemned because Jesus died to deal with that. That's the ultimate act of love. And he was raised to eternity and so it can't be changed that can never be changed and so if that's true who can separate us from that love jesus has for us no one can and nothing that we might face can trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or losing everything we've got they would be terrible horrible things but they can't separate us from the love of christ in fact the author of this letter the apostle paul if you remember he experienced all of those things and they didn't separate him from the love that christ has for him because christ's love was demonstrated on the cross as jesus died and it is done it's an historical event and you can't change history Nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all creation, nothing natural, 
Nothing supernatural, angels, demons, nothing can separate us from Christ's love. And so with that, this argument for why there is no way that those in Christ can ever be lost is finished. That's what all of these verses have been showing us. Will God hold back on the salvation that he's promised? No, that's verse 31. God made the biggest commitment when he gave his son. He won't back out on all the rest. Can those who trust Jesus be made guilty again? No, that's verse 33. Those who trust Jesus can't be made guilty again because it's God himself is the one who says we're justified through Jesus. So can anyone condemn those in Jesus? No, that's verse 34. No one can. So what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing natural. Nothing supernatural. They were those last verses, 38 and 39. And that's the ground of our hope. The love of Christ for each and every one of us. The love of Christ in making our forgiveness for walking away from God possible. By dying and taking the penalty that we deserve and being raised to life so that we can follow him. The love of Christ is grounded in this historical event. And so is our hope. Our hope is certain. God won't hold back salvation. We can't be made guilty again. We can't be condemned. Our hope's secure. And we can lean on that in hard times and persevere through anything, actually. Because we know the freedom and the glory that waits for the children of God, his family. If you're here this morning and you don't yet know Jesus, I don't know where your hopes are and I don't know how certain you feel in those. But there is a hope in Jesus and a reality that is certain. In fact, it's the only thing that is certain ultimately. Please take a look at that for yourself. Our existence, it's so full of uncertainty and anxiety If you don't know Jesus yet, please check out the hope that Jesus wants you to know about. One of the ways you can do that is just to read his story. Just read it. I've left a few copies on the table. It's on my left of the gym door. There's a few copies there of Jesus' story, the account of his life. And I reckon you could read it in an hour and a half. Two on the outside. Please take one on your way out. A couple of hours. Such a small time compared with all of eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus and for the certain hope that he gives us in being brought to you, resurrected in body, restored to a relationship with you that never ends. Father, we ask that you would help us to rest in that certain hope that it might fuel us through trial and adversity and hardship until the end when we stand before you, family. Father, we ask that you would help those who are yet to explore what it all means, that they would do that, Father, and to have that same unshakable confidence in you and in your promises to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.